and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason, and with him as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. What is going on, Jason? Not a whole lot. You know, we're uh, you know we're, we're we're in the regular season, of course, in the uh, in the NBA as we speak. We're uh, not not too deep into it, but deep enough into it where you know some things are happening. We can make some conclusions. Yeah, not, not quite the doldrums quite yet. When, when does the do, do, have we ever classified exactly when the doldrums is? Isn't that that's kind of like February, isn't it? Yeah, like, I, I think it's a post yeah, All Star game, like two weeks after the All Star right. game, and you're just like, oh man, we still have till May, Jesus. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it it does. It, it depends on the year because sometimes I think it uh, it depends on how the races are shaking out or if there's much interesting going on in the league. But yeah, I think that's about the right time. I think I would agree. Well, I, this you know raises a question to me: is you know the regular season is about. You know, uh, even the teams that that make the finals and win the championship, it's it's about 80, 90 percent of your season. What if we actually valued the regular season more than we do right now? Right now, we basically just view, you know, you win the playoffs, you win that tournament, you know, you're the champion, you've accomplished it. If if you were even like a really good regular season team and you fail in the playoffs, that's like a mark against you. There, there's no real positive to being great in the regular season unless you're also great in the postseason. But I think we should adjust our thinking on that a little bit. Yeah, and what we're we're on this show, I think we've always been people that that look at a little bit more beyond the ring. Because, I mean, that that to me is like the most lame, boring argument ever to make in, in, in sports when you just say, ah, well, that guy's got more rings or they won more rings or this guy won a ring. And it's like, yeah, I get it. It's cool that they won the tournament and all that sort of stuff. And there, there's obviously some value to that. But why do we negate, you know, a, a conference finals appearance? Why do we negate, as you said, great regular seasons like that? That, you know, nothing is lost to me by the Warriors winning 73 games and losing in the, in the finals. I mean, a lot of people would disagree and say, no, it doesn't mean a thing without the ring, yada, yada, yada. But like to me, no, that was awesome to watch them win 73 games. It was awesome to watch them dominate the regular season and whatnot. So I I've I am and I, and I know you are and a lot of the people who listen to this understand that there is value to what happens in the regular season. Some people would be fine with the regular season going away and then just start the playoffs, you know what I mean? Just uh, just be the playoffs and just win rings or whatever, but I like to think that we think a little bit deeper than that. So I like this idea of kind of looking at the regular season, looking at who would, you know, maybe win a championship if we counted the regular season wins and and how that sort of changes NBA history and changes some stuff because no, I do think there there is a lot of value to playing great in the regular season. Like there's there's something to be said for that. But we, you know, time and time again, as you said, we see examples where, you know, teams win a bunch of games and then don't win in the playoffs. And that's, as you said, a, a, a more of a negative. You're better off winning 55 games than winning the championship than winning 65 games and losing in the final, the, you know, the finals or the conference finals or whatever. And, and we've seen it go so nuts to where like the Warriors, as I said, uh, again, you know, they win 73 and then lose in the finals. And then people say, oh, they, you know, they were trying to win too many games in the regular season. And then it led to some boring Warriors regular seasons where they just didn't try as hard because they wanted to make sure they were at full strength and fully healthy for the playoffs so they could win their ring or whatever. So we've become ring obsessed. In, in NBA discourse and basketball discourse. Uh, so what we're going to try to hopefully change it a little bit. We're still going to give out rings, but we're going to be a little bit better about it. You know, we're going to the regular season. We're going to kind of got the big thing and not just the tournament. So, Right, yeah. So, you know, however you want to think about this, either we're, you know, giving the regular season some equity with the postseason and we're just saying, okay, your regular season pennant is equal to a championship or you can just imagine, hey, no one came up with the idea of having a postseason and we just decide, okay, the champions here are the teams that won in the regular season. So just... Looking at, you know, the idea of, you know, what you do in the regular season is maybe a larger reflective of the quality of your actual team rather than, you know, in the postseason where some flukes can happen, injuries can happen. And, you know, obviously there are 
there are some differences between the postseason and the regular season, and we're not discounting that at all. It just it, it's a fun exercise to kind of talk about and, and a way to spotlight a few teams mm-hmm. that really don't get talked about because they didn't have postseason success. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think in the NBA, I think of, of all leagues, we do see the least amount of you know quote unquote parity in the playoffs. Where typically the team that wins a championship at the end of the year, you go, yeah, that team deserved to win. They had this guy, they had the best stars. They had there's some reason why they win. It's never, it's very rarely like I can't believe that team's there or whatever. There's there's a few cases here and there we'll talk about, but but very very rarely they do that. But as we go through this exercise, you'll notice that there aren't a lot of oh my god, I can't believe that team in in, in these regular season championships either. It's a little bit more fun. There's a little bit more variety. There's some teams that are a little bit like oh yeah, I forgot about them or oh yeah, they were really good that got lost to time because of the rings players that got lost to time because you know they didn't finish the job or win the rings or whatever so i think there's some value to that as well we're not saying that you know the 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 playoffs are just complete crap shooting who the hell cares or whatever we're not saying that at all but we're saying that you know there's just not i in in my mind and in your mind there's just not a lot of value given to success in the regular season and we're trying to do that as well and it's a fun exercise that we do on the show we, we mess around we fuck around and then we change nba history while we talk about nba history so i cannot wait to uh <laughs> change the nba history yes so uh we're the Celtics win zero the titles. They never win. No, it's a lie. They win a lot. Oh, they win like no, so no, many. No. They win more, I think. Actually. They win a lot. They, they, they don't win more, but they still win a lot. So, um, yes. Uh, so we begin 1947 with. Uh, so we're, it's because because this is actually before the NBA exists. We're going to go with the first year of the BAA and also look at what the NBL champion did at the same time. So two champions are crowned during this era. Uh, in the BAA, we have the Washington Capitals, uh, coached by Red Arbach, and they finished uh, 49 and 11. They had a 8.99 SRS, which was first in the league. It was actually the highest uh, SRS in league history until 1971. So they were pretty dominant. They won the uh, pennant by 10 games. They were uh, starred some of our faves, uh, Bob Feverick and uh, Frat, Fat Freddy Scolari. You know, we uh, we love Fat Freddy oh, here. Yeah. And um, in real life, they lost to the Chicago Stags in the division series. And it was kind of an odd thing where they the division winners actually met face-to-face in the round before the playoffs for some strange reason they decided to do that. So the uh, Capitals were penalized by that, did not win a championship there. and uh, But they did, uh, again, were very, very dominant in the regular season. We'll move on to the NBL here, the Rochester Royals. They uh, went, went uh, 31 and 13 in the NBL. Royals included at this time Al Cervini, uh, Bob Davies, Red Holtzman, Arnie Johnson, Fuzzy Levain, and Dolly King. Dolly King, one of the few African American players in the NBL, uh, and he was a former barnstormer with the uh, famed uh, New York Reds as well. So that's Dolly King. Uh, the Royals in real life lost to George Mike and Chicago American gear. So. Title Town in Chicago, 1947 basketball. Let's go. Yeah. American Gears and yeah. Stags. I, I remember that as well. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't, I don't know. Sure. I, I don't know anybody who was alive yeah. then. So nobody that I know, no. nobody that I knew that was alive then is still alive today. So I uh, never got a chance to ask my uh, grandpa about the great Stags American Gears celebrations of 1947. I imagine there were none of them. But anyway, uh, they lost to the Chicago American Gears uh, in the real life finals. The, Royal, the Royals would consistently be the number two team of the era uh, and be foiled by Mike and uh, throughout time, but in now in this our regular season championships, they have won a title. So congratulations, Rochester Royals! Yes, so both leagues have new champions now with our new regular season. See, uh, this is more fun. Pen- you know, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, <clears throat> 1948 uh, in the BAA, we have the St. Louis Bombers, who were 29 and 19, and they actually uh, were fifth in the league in SRS. Baltimore actually won, but as we'll see. These stand-ins were extremely tight that year. They um, 
In second place were, in a tie, the Baltimore Bullets, the Chicago Stags, and the Washington Capitals, all only one game behind St. Louis. And then the Philadelphia Warriors were two games behind St. Louis, and the Knicks were three games behind St. Louis. And pretty much everyone in the league beat up on the Providence Steamrollers, who finished 6-42. and 42. Not a good, uh, not a good. Not great. No, I mean, not. not you no. you want to definitely win more than that, but that, that's all right. Uh, Providence yeah. Steamrollers. It's okay. You'll come back next year. I'm sure it'd be fine. So. Yeah. No, it's not good <laughs> next year either. No, no, it's 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 not good for the Steamrollers. Yeah, yeah. That not an appropriate name. Uh, well, I guess maybe <laughs> they were the ones who were steamrolled. <laughs> Their confidence. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, we were. We are being steamrolled. I I, I don't know. We have to workshop <laughs> that one, but yes. Um, and in in real life, they lost to the uh, Philadelphia Warriors in the division semifinals. Uh, the Bull- Bullets actually won the uh, title last year. Uh, and uh, I, honestly, I have to admit that outside of uh, their uh, 6'9", 185-pound center, Red, the thin man, Roca, who was later an all-star for the Nationals, not super familiar with any of the Bombers. They did have a, uh, a Bellis a Smiley on the team. He was a six in points per game that year, ninth in actually a field goal percentage. And also they had a guard, John Logan, who was a three-time all-BAA uh, second team. Outside of that, uh, th- this team is largely a mystery to me, unfortunately. But it was, you know, we'll dive more into them. Yeah. Definitely our future St. Louis Bombers episode that we'll be doing. You know, we'll uh, <laughs> People have shed been, some light there. We've been lo- we, we've been getting uh, in our suggestion box that we have that's readily available for everybody, uh, Bellis right. Wamley uh, uh, content has been at the top of that list, uh, so right, we'll definitely sure. we'll is. definitely have to appease our uh, our very rabid fan base who have, have been asking and begging for St. Louis Bombers content. So it's coming soon, definitely. Yes, yes, the, all the Bell sites out there are definitely going to be looking for uh, <laughs> you know some some more content. Absolutely. All right, we go to the NBL and guess who wins again? The Rochester Royals break up the Royals. They are a new champion here, forty four and sixteen. Uh, they edge the Lakers by one game. No SRS is available at this point, but uh, we can assume the Lakers were probably better, but we don't know for sure. Uh, they had a better scoring differential, the Lakers. So we'll see. Uh, Royals in this offseason added Bobby Wanzer and Arnie Rise into their core. So that's a hell of a core. That's a hell of a team as well. Uh, the Lakers. They uh, also added some new guys. They added a guy named George Mikan and another guy named Jim Pollard, and that uh, helped them turn from a forty and uh, four and forty, four and forty Detroit Gems team again, four and forty, not good. Uh, instead, they turned into the Lakers and they won the NBA title in real life, beating the Royals three to one, and they would win many, many times again. But in this, our fake world or whatever you want to call it, the Rochester Royals are back to back champions of the NBL. So congratulations, Rochester. Nice job, Rochester, and. Uh... 1949. Well, it's a new league, but the same team in the BAA. Title Town. Rochester. <laughs> title yes, Town. We Rochester. still refer to Rochester, New York as the Title Town. So. <laughs> we do. We, we do. Absolutely. Yeah. It, well, there's more coming, too. They're not done yet. <laughs> That's what know? I said. They're uh, going to keep racking them up. Yeah. Right. Right, absolutely. Uh, 45 and 15, uh, they were uh, second in the league in SRS to the Lakers. Uh, they also uh, edged the Lakers again uh, by one game in a uh, in a different league with their third pennant in a row. Uh, the Lakers in real life, however, were able to beat the Royals as they often did in the uh, division uh, division semis. Yeah, now we'll move on to the NBL. So the NBL still hanging around. Uh, the Anderson Duffy Packers. Yes, of course, the Anderson Duffy Packers. Yes, they went 49 and 15. Uh, this is the same champion, though. So uh, it held strong with uh, what was in the regular season and what was actually happened. Uh, they, uh, The Anderson Duffy Packers, of course, won the final NBL title. Uh, best known player and leading scorer was Frankie Bryan. Uh, they also had a player named Dillard Crocker. Uh, who played in both the BAA, he had two games with the Pistons, and the NBL. So in one season, he played for both. I and his nickname is Moose, and that is all we know about Dillard Crocker. So, uh, But we want to learn more. So if you uh, if you know anything about uh, Dillard Crocker, please let us know. But uh, Moose. Yes, he, 
Yeah, he passed away in 2014. That's how we know the uh, Moose nickname because it was in his obituary. But That's a good um, run. That's a yeah. hell of a run. 2014? Yeah. <laughs> That's not bad for old yeah. Moose. So. Yeah, it's good. Uh, good run for old Moose. Yeah, he, he uh, you know, hey, seemed to have an interesting uh, career. P- played in a lot of cities in his uh, pro basketball career. So he uh, he got around. Um, in fact, his first team was the Detroit Vagabond Kings, and he was much he was much like the Vagabond for his uh, basketball career. So. <laughs> Uh, so next we have a unified league, but uh, the teams on top are pretty familiar. Uh, the uh, Minneapolis Lakers and the Rochester Royals both had the same record, 51-17, and 17, but we've uh, decided to give the team with the better SRS the tiebreaker. So the Lakers win that tiebreaker. They get their first pennant here. Uh, in real life, they won a first-place tiebreaker game versus the Royals on their way to the title. So it's a, a case of our exercise imitating life. Um, and... The Lakers already, of course, had had George Mikan and Jim Pollard for a few years, but they were joined by Vern Mickelson and Slater Martin this season. To, great. Uh, exactly what the Lakers dynasty. needed. Two more great yeah. players. Yeah, perfect. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and 51 uh, is, is much the same. The uh, the Lakers were, uh, were, were first again. Um, in real life, the uh, Lakers actually lost to the Royals in the division finals after Mikan broke his leg. The Lakers otherwise won six out of seven titles in a row in the NBL, BAA, and NBA. Uh, so interesting little opposite uh, effect here where the the one year it was broken up by the Rochester Royals, it was actually the Lakers that won that regular season because of that uh, Mikan injury. Yeah, and interestingly enough, the next season, 1952, that we're going to get to, uh, another kind of art-imitating life thing, but a little bit different in 1952, uh, Rochester. So not in not in, in real life in 1951, they broke up the Minneapolis Lakers, a uh, little dynasty here. In 1952, Rochester does it in our little exercise as well. Uh, they go 41-25. and 25. That was fourth best SRS in the league. Of course, Minneapolis had the top SRS of the league. Uh, they edged uh, Syracuse and Minneapolis by one game and Boston by two games. So very, very slim margin for Rochester here. Uh, Royals take this one back from the Lakers and would end up with four pennants in six years and very close to a fifth as well so uh, again congratulations to the Rochester Royals they almost did it right there with the uh, the tiebreaker in 1950 but uh, at this point the Royals are still a solid team they have Davies, Holzman, Arnie Johnson uh, from all the way back in uh, 1947 so the same cores there uh, Wanzer and Risen who joined in 1948 and then Jack Coleman another key players uh, joined in 1950 as well so it's a pretty solid team uh, and this is probably the first major historical shift we've seen instead of the Lakers being the dominant team of the late 40s and early 50s and the Royals being morally an afterthought they're equals and that's kind of cool like the idea that that you know we've kind of changed history a little bit where the Royals just got you know for a lack of a better term steamrolled by the Lakers time and time again in this exercise we see the Rochester Royals being on equal footing so yeah Mike is an all-time legend the Lakers are an all-time great team but the Royals are also with those guys with Davies and Holzman and Johnson and Ryzen and Wanzer and Coleman and all those sort of guys are on equal footing they also have a bunch of titles to their name as well so it's kind of cool and pretty interesting um, as well this is kind of the last breath though for this Royals team they would remain okay for the next two seasons or so uh, but no more pennants for them so it's the last unfortunate we're going to hear from the Rochester Royals but they uh, were fun uh, in the early part of this adventure winning many many titles so congratulations to Rochester title town Rochester absolutely uh, then uh, 953 it goes back to the Lakers they're 48 and 22 first in the league in SRS very dominant uh, 954, they're 46 and 26. Uh, they're only second in the league in SRS to Syracuse. Uh, they uh, and they 
won the title in real life both in 53 and 54 that was the end basically for Mike and uh the Lakers win four pennants in five years and then lost three close ones to the Royals as we said in 40 49 and 52 each of those times they lost by only one game so they came extremely close to being almost as dominant as they were in real life but but fell just short in our exercise although again four pennants in five years still pretty good Definitely. 1955, we move on here. The Fort Wayne Pistons making their first appearance on this list. Uh, and the Syracuse Nationals, they uh, tied, but we are going to give the edge to the Fort Wayne Pistons because they were first in SRS. Uh, both teams had 43 and 29 records. Uh, the Pistons win the uh, SRS tiebreaker, as we mentioned, giving Larry Faust his Hall of Fame boost. So put him in the Hall. He's ready to go now. He's Faust. got his title. Yes. He's got his ring. All right. <laughs> yes. Put it in Faust. Yep. We'll, we'll, we'll have to email the... Uh, uh, Springfield Mass and let them know that uh, Larry Faust indeed does have a ring, a regular season ring, but it counts all the same. Pistons uh, also counts, yeah. uh, had a uh, super score Hall of Famer and six-time All-Star uh, George Yardley, as we've mentioned many times in the show before. I don't know if we mentioned this guy before, four-time All-Star Mel Hutchins, who's actually Kiki Vandeway's uncle, so I bet those basketball games on like 4th of July were pretty fucking awesome between Mel Hutchins yeah. and Kiki Vandeway. Uh, they also have... And Ernie, of course. Ernie, who was Kiki's dad, who was uh, brother-in-law of, of Mel's. So. Right, right. So yes. that's a hell of a game, man. You got like three solid yeah. you know, NBA players yeah. there. Uh, his son played a yeah. little bit as well, if I remember correctly. Kiki Vandeway's son. or son. I think maybe he's in the front office of some team or something. I forget exactly what's going on. But that's current. We don't care about the current. That's stupid. We no, don't talk we about don't. current basketball. No. Uh, four-time All-BA uh, Max Zavlosky. This was the end of his career as well. This was the last run for him. Uh, Frankie Bryan, who we mentioned a little bit earlier, he's at the end of his career as well. Uh, Handy Andy Phillip. Love that name, Handy Andy Phillip. He was a five-time All-Star, yeah. two-time All-NBA, and a Hall of Famer uh, as well. And then Bob, I never knew how to pronounce his name. Was it Hobregs? Hobregs? I believe so, yes. Well, whatever. He's a basketball Hall of Famer. We're not quite sure why. So Larry Faust doesn't go in, but Bob the Hobregs does. So that's, uh, yeah, who knows. Uh, and the team, interestingly enough, coached by former ref Charlie Ekman. I love the idea of a former referee coaching a team. I would love to see Dick Vavetta on like, the sideline of like the Kings or something like that. Like, can you just imagine? Like, like, I don't know why. Like, I think he'd be good too. I'm trying to think of who like other referees that I would really, really like to see coach. But I think Dick's at the top Jerry of my Crawford. list for sure. Yeah, Joey Just Crawford. I would imagine. Oh, Joey. Yeah, yeah. Joey Crawford. <laughs> if if you need a guy to like speak to the mind of 19 year olds, it's definitely Joey Crawford is a guy that would. Sure, but some stupid team would. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to. The problem is like the Knicks aren't like as stupid as they used to be because like they would hire yeah, even the Kings. Yeah, but yeah. The Kings are like kind of competent too. It's no fun anymore. We don't have any incompetent teams anymore. It's I'm sure some will pop up here and there. They they always do. But uh, yeah, well, one of these days, yeah. So next is the uh, the Philadelphia Warriors, uh, 1956, and uh, they uh, they finished 45 and 27, and uh, were both the regular season champion in real life. The uh, the the final uh, NBA champion before the Bill Russell era began. Their uh, key players were, of course, uh, Hall of Famers uh, Paul Arizin, Neil Johnston, Tom Gola, and also Jack George and uh, Joe Grabowski. Uh, most of those guys were uh, Philly products as well. They were they they love their homegrown guys. So, um, so yeah, they were uh, they were the end before we really get dive into this new era. Yep, but thankfully, with our exercise, the Celtics are nothing, and they're oh wait no, no hold on one sec. Nine fifty seven, Boston wins. Same champion as there was in real life. They won by six games, winning 44 games. Uh, Bill Russell and Tommy Heinsohn joined Bob Cousy, Bill Sharman, Frank Ramsey, and Jim Lustkoff. So Boston gets their first title in our exercise. Then 58, 
Boston wins a championship, just as they did in real life. This time they win by eight games. Uh, 49-23, they had Casey Jones and Sam Jones because, of course, they needed more good players. Uh, and the Hawks, unfortunately, lose the franchise's only ring, meaning Bob Pettit never earns a title. So this is the one time when the Hawks got their chance. They won the Bill Russell trade for a year. Uh, and then in our exercise, they did not, and they never did. So, unfortunately, Bob Pettit and the Hawks never get their title. 1959, Boston wins by three games. 1960, Boston wins by ten games. 1961, Boston wins by six games. 1962, Boston wins by six games. Uh, 1963, Boston win by five games. This is Bob Cousy's final season and Jabba Havlicek's first season. So, of course, they get retooled and, and ready to go. Uh, 1964, Boston wins by four games. 1965, you guessed it, Boston wins by 13 games. 62 and 18, they win nine pennants in a row. So, they uh, actually do better than the real life Pistons do at the, or the, the real life Celtics do at this time because they did not drop that one of the Hawks. So, nine pennants in a row for the Boston Celtics during the Bill Russell era. So, yep, they're still dominant. They're still good. They're so dominant, but they don't win a title afterward. Uh, it's gonna so th- we don't get that late little charge in uh, in Bill Russell's career. Those last two championships uh, that that go on, so it, it changes things a little bit. I mean, nine championships still, you know, is is not much worse than eleven championships, and nine in a row, you know, is, is more than they won in real life. So. Um, it's you know I, I think they're just about as legendary as they were, but it does change that just a little bit, um, and I, I think that's that's kind of interesting the way that goes down. Yeah, yeah I was um, going through this. I was surprised at how truly dominant they were in the regular season. Like I kind of you know like I knew they finished in first place, uh, you know, pretty much all of these um, years, and I knew that they led the league in SRS. But the margins that they won by in both SRS and in in record generally was you know, either super dominant or pretty dominant. I mean, they, they just were always the best, you know, right. playoffs and regular season. Yeah. And SRS shows, shows that out as well. And it's like, yeah, you would think in like 1962 after they've won, you know, five straight or whatever, that they would just be like, ah, you know, let's take it a little easy in the regular season. No, they win it by six games or six teams better than everybody else. Like that's just like the idea that they just never, either they couldn't take off or they were just so good that even if they didn't give full effort, they were still beating people or they just gave full effort all the time and went out there to try to win as much as they did. But there's no signs that this team ever, Said, hey, let's take a let's take a relatively easy in the regular season because we know in the postseason we're gonna, we're going to win. They just went pedal to the metal the entire time, and yeah, the winning by three games, ten games, six, six, five, four. There was no squeakers here, no other contenders really. They just dominate this entire decade. Absolutely. Uh, so next, uh, we move into a new era, both in terms of the NBA having a new dominant team, and pretty soon the ABA is going to join us. So, uh, 1966, uh, Philadelphia 76ers. 55 and 25 they were second in the league in srs to boston um but they did edge boston by one game in the regular season in real life they lost to the celtics in the east finals four games to one uh this was the first full year for will chamberlain with the team they also had veteran Hal greer and a young core of really excellent players chet walker wally jones luke jackson and uh billy cunningham was a rookie this year and they were coached by uh, Dolph Shays and uh, like I said, in real life a very good team but not quite a, a dominant team but that was definitely about to change absolutely yeah they'd win again uh, as you said in 1967 as well 68 and 13 same champion that they were in real life as well so uh, of course this team sets the league record uh, for winning percentage same core uh, new coach Alex Hannum who shifted their style of play obviously was a, found ways to unlock even more potential out of Wilt Chamberlain and it, it, it led to just tremendous success uh, which is interesting because yeah we, we now see and, and we'd see it even uh, as we're going to talk about in 1968 as well um, 
Philadelphia wins in the post-Russell. They won the last championship pre-Russell. So basically, you have to go back to 1955 to find the last time when a, a team not from Boston or Philadelphia won the championship. And unfortunately, as Jason will mention, it doesn't change in 1968 either. No, it does not. Uh, the... Uh uh, they are slightly less dominant, but still, still very good. Sixty-two and twenty. Um, their third pennant in a row. Obviously, that is going to do a whole lot to change the idea of you know Will Chamberlain's career and the narratives that were built on there. Even though he's not going to have nearly as many titles as Russell, still, uh, you know, three in a row to kind of end the Russell era and and to sort of lead into this era. I think definitely um, adds some steam for him historically. Um, in real life, they blew a 3-1 lead to the Celtics and will force his trade to the Lakers in the offseason. Now, we're not really considering a lot of what might happen in real life. Let's say if these, you know, if, if these changes happened and, you know, Wilt won three titles in the rear, obviously it's probably less likely that he would have gone to the Lakers in that situation. We're not obviously accounting for that sort of stuff. We're just going to say, well, you know, everything happened the way that it happened. We're just interpreting it in a different way. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't want people to, compl- to write and complain to us about that because we understand that. We're just having fun here. Yeah, so, it'd be very, so, very difficult to rewrite history to that level as well because there's like a case right. that'll be made here in a little bit where it's like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and this Bucks are like the greatest team ever. Like, why would he ever leave Milwaukee? Right. Where like, you know, he just sure. stays in Milwaukee for 20 years or like and then it just becomes untenable and ridiculous. So, yeah, we, we, we're not doing that. We're assuming that guys still move and do stuff. We're just kind of saying you know what kind of happened in real life and what would have happened in the regular season so yeah don't uh we're not rewriting history too much here so yeah keep some fabric of it together so right and uh in the aba we have hey the, uh, the the ABA. welcome yeah. welcome to the fray yeah. welcome 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 yes uh the pipers uh, 54 wins they were actually fourth in the league in srs to the uh new orleans buccaneers were first uh, they did win the championship in real life. Uh, they were led by uh, Connie Hawkins, of course, was th- was their big star, you know, coming out of obscurity and uh, going into the uh, ABA and eventually uh, playing his way into the NBA, winning his legal case there. Uh, also, they had Charlie Williams, Trooper Washington, Chico Vaughn, and Art Heyman were their uh, key guys. Uh, Charlie Williams and Chico Vaughn both uh, were uh, uh, prodigious three-point shooters. Um, um, Charlie Williams actually made a lot of them, and Chico Vaughn liked to shoot a lot of them. So, <laughs> right, right, um, right. I think that year he made a lot of them too, but uh, but generally not not the highest percentage there. Uh, in real life, the uh, the Pipers actually did uh, beat the Bucks in the first ABA Finals. The Bucks had uh, Doug Moe and Larry Brown as their uh, as their key players in the first ABA Finals. Yeah, if you, the the numbers on Chico Brown, uh, Chico Vaughn, I should say, we we've talked about him before, but. Uh in our uh, Basketball Mysteries of the 70s episode a little bit. He's not the most ridiculous three-point shooter in the ABA. There's plenty of other guys, uh, but he is pretty ridiculous. He's fairly ridiculous. Uh, his first year, uh, he shoots 5.5 attempts per game. Shoot, you know, hits 33%. You know, that's not bad. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, next year, he bumps it up to 7.6, which is ridiculous numbers for 1969, uh, obviously, because we hadn't seen anybody shoot with the three-point line before. But, uh, yeah, he only shoots 27% uh, from three then. Uh, and the next year, someone told him, hey, knock that shit off, because then he only shoots 3.9 threes per game i only hits 29 percent. so the first year he was pretty good with it but uh yeah then he uh got a little nuts there in year two but uh not not a bad run for uh for chico vaughn but yeah he is only one of many guys who decided this three-point line i am going to use this and utilize it which was risky at the time i mean there was you know it was not a good idea to you know it was it was a bad shot to take a three-pointer now those days are very very long gone because now it's if you don't take a three or a shot at the rim you're a bad player and inefficient and all that other stuff so it's uh it's pretty interesting yeah, to see that stink yeah yes 
1969, the uh, in the NBA, we have the Baltimore Bullets, uh, 57 wins, and uh, they uh, were fourth in the league in SRS. The Knicks were actually number one, uh, and this would make a new champion because because um, this would have been the final uh, Celtics championship. Uh, and they were a big story of the NBA regular season. They had a 21-game improvement, and, and really all they did was add uh, Wes Unsell to the team as a rookie. Uh, the Earl Monroe had been there, Gus Johnson, Kevin Lockery, Jack Marin, Ray Scott, and Leroy Ellis. In fact, Unsell won MVP that year, despite not particularly having you know um, dominant numbers, but you know because of the impact that he had on the team. Um, and you know the other team that emerged that year was the Knicks, who uh, had an, also had a not quite as big of a turnaround, but 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 a fairly sizable one. They won 54 g- games, and then after the trade for uh, Dave DeBusschere, were 36 and nine that year. So, which made the uh, the the playoff uh, result a little bit less surprising. The Knicks actually swept the Bullets that year with Gus Johnson out of the series for the uh, for, for the Bullets. So so uh, given the Knicks' success in the second half of the season, that that made a little bit more sense. But otherwise, it was a little bit I believe a surprise at the time. Uh, ABA wise, we have our uh, a repeat champion, the same champion that happened in the actual ABA uh, happens in our little uh, hypothetical as well. The Oakland Oaks, they go sixteen and eighteen. Uh, they were first in SRS as well, so definitely a deserving uh, champion here, uh, led by Warren Jabali, Doug Moe, Larry Brown, Ira Harg, and Gary Brads. Uh, they also had uh, thirty five games with Rick Barry, which we uh, have discussed at length in our basketball mysteries of the seventies. If you want to listen to uh, all that happened with Rick Barry and the Oakland Oaks and all that fun stuff there, but uh, yeah, they win. Uh, same thing they did in. Um, ABA, the uh, Oakland Oaks win, so not uh, not a lot of interesting stuff coming out of the ABA quite yet. Uh, the most dominant team in the regular season so far has been the most dominant team in the playoffs as well, so pretty cool to see that. Yeah, uh, and Rick Barry, of course, was the subject of our first episode uh, yep. way back when. Uh, the uh, uh, the first guy we dove into, we, we, we I think we've I don't think we've had more jokes about Rick Barry than we've had about. You know, I'm not sure who our actual number one target is. Probably Danny. H, I was going to say Danny. Uh, H. I've I've included. Yeah. There's like coming in in uh, what I believe will be part two of this, mostly of, of this show. Uh, there is no less than 15 <laughs> potential Danny Ainge jokes. So, that oh, nice. All right, well, so yeah, it's coming. So yeah, no, he Rick Barry may have taken a temporary lead, but I assure you, Danny Ainge will uh, take a resounding lead uh, when part two of this comes out. So, well, well thank goodness. So. Uh, 1970. We have the same champions again that we had uh, that we had in real life. The uh, New York Knicks, 16 and 22, first in the league in SRS. Of course, this is the you know Clyde Frazier, Dave DeBusschere, uh, Willis Reed, um, great teams. Uh, the uh, the Pacers, um, 59 and 25, actually only second in the league in SRS to uh, uh, to Denver. And of, of course, you know Roger Brown, Freddie Lewis, Mel Daniels. Uh, we, we've we've talked about both those teams quite a bit in our 70 series. So we're not going to dive deeply into them uh, here. You can go back and listen to those uh, shows if you'd like. Uh, and then 1971, uh, we in one case we have the same champion of the. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, 66 and 16, 11.91 SRS, which would, which shattered the record at the uh, time for SRS and still one of the top five or so in league history. Uh, and in the ABA, the Pacers win again. Uh, they, uh, finished 58 and 26, uh, 563, uh, SRS second in the league to Utah. Uh, in real life, they lost in the Western division finals to uh, Utah. And this means that the Pacers only win two NBA ABA pennants as opposed to three championships in four years. So that reduces their legacy somewhat. They were kind of a team that at a certain point they started to a little bit 
coast in the regular season yeah. and turn it on in the playoffs. They kind of had a reputation for uh, doing that. Absolutely, yeah, and we talked about that at, at length in previous shows as well. So, yeah, it kind of bears it out here a little bit where they aren't as dominant uh, in our exercise that they were kind of in real life or not as good at, at sort of sealing the deal uh, in our exercise that they did in real life. So, yeah, the cool stuff there. Uh, move on to 1972. We get uh, in the NBA, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers are your champions in the NBA uh, in real life and in this exercise as well. They go 69-13, so pretty tough to mess with that. Uh, 11.65 SRS. So it's pretty interesting that you know the year prior we got Milwaukee with one of the best SRSs of all time at 11.9, and the Lakers not far behind there just a year later at 11.65. Uh, uh, so same champion there, nothing too exciting in Lakerland. On the ABA, though, we get a new champion with the Kentucky Colonels at 68-16. and 16. Uh, They are your champions. They have a 7.99 SRS as well. Uh, Kentucky wins their first ABA title easily. They're eight games better than second place Utah. Uh, And it was kind of interesting as well because in this particular ABA season, there's really haves and have nots. So you have your Kentucky and Utah. They both win 60 plus games. No other team won 50 games. Indiana wins wins uh, 47 games, I should say. And so it's basically two teams with 60 wins, a team with 47 wins, and then a bunch of other teams kind of below them. So it's kind of interesting to see such a big disparity there. Uh, In real life, though, for people who did not follow this, uh, Kentucky was upset by the 44-win Nets in the Eastern Conference Semis. Uh, And then the 47-win Indiana Pacers, as we mentioned, they eventually win the title. So they uh, they coast a little bit in the regular season when they turn the Jets on uh, come playoff time. And the Kentucky Colonels shockingly uh, upset by the 44-win Nets in the Eastern Semis. I mean, a lot of stuff changes with that as well because this is a dominant, like an all-time great ABA team that just doesn't really have a lot to show for it if we use just kind of the old rings method in in terms of, uh, you know, judging a, t- a team and, and, and their abilities and whatnot. Sure. And, and and this team would finally win a championship in 75, you know, it, with a similar supporting cast, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Artis Gilmore, Dennis, so Louis Dampier, they're, they're key guys. But um, but yeah, th- this team definitely, I mean, the, the record obviously, you know, 68 wins stands out and, and really being dominant this year. And then, you know, losing to uh, to Rick Barry's Nets, uh, one of the bigger upsets in playoff history. So yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I do think that even though they would eventually win their real life title, I think winning, having their, um, you know, getting the credit for having this dominant regular season, we're not taking away from the disappointment of the playoffs. I think that maybe has a little bit more impact than even their title did in seventy. Right, right. As we said, like there's there's something to be said for being like a great, like an all time great regular season team that doesn't get it done in the playoffs. Like we talk about this stunning upset or whatever, and we'll talk, you know, in in, in you know in part two, the Seattle SuperSonics in 1994 when they have the first round upset to Denver. Yeah, it was a first round upset and it was nuts because it was an eighteen beating a one. But like that Seattle team is so good and they win so many games and they're such an awesome team. But they get upset and it becomes this thing that they it's a monkey on their back and they just cannot get rid of it and, and, until it leads to kind of in a lot of ways the implosion of that entire franchise but yeah this this same thing where they win 68 games and then failed to do it in the playoffs I mean it's reflected on a little bit more negatively than like you said if, if they had maybe won this title and then that was it like the idea is hey they were a dominant team and they, they nailed it and they, they got it all done in the playoffs and they won and they're an all-time great team or whatever whereas I don't know that we consider the Kentucky Colonels an all-time great team just a team that eventually won a title and, and had some good regular seasons and whatnot so we've, we've changed that a little bit with our uh, our exercise here Sure. And another team that is a little bit penalized for a great regular season and a play of disappointment was the 73 Boston Celtics, which who won 68 games. Uh, they were second in the league in SRS. So they definitely outperformed their SRS that year. Um, and uh, as we say, you know, we, we need another Boston title. This was their 10th overall, but their first is 1965. So it's been a while for them. Uh, and they poor babies, uh, they, poor babies. They yeah, finally know, get their I title. Know. Finally. Again. Very, very sad. <laughs> 
<laughs> so they uh, they actually won by uh, eight games as the Lakers and, and Bucks both finished 60-22 that year. Uh, in real life, the uh, Knicks, would, uh, who won 57 games, would uh, shock the world, come back, and beat the uh, Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. John Avlicek suffered a uh, arm injury midway through that series that uh, you know was definitely had had a uh, had an impact, shoulder injury, I believe. Um, and this was uh, in our pennants. It was their their only pennant of the decade. They would win two in real life in '74 and '76, but they would win it in the year again. You know, with a uh, with a gaudy win total. So. Uh, so that again, that, that kind of makes an interesting difference there. Uh, definitely, and then uh, ABA, uh, the Carolina Cougars, new champion here, uh, fifty-seven and twenty-seven. Their third actually in SRS, Kentucky, uh, as your leading SRS team. So, like I said, Kentucky was great last year. Uh, they're still good as well. Uh, Carolina just squeaks by the prior year's champion, Kentucky, with fifty-seven wins. Kentucky was at fifty-six. Uh, Billy Cunningham gets himself another ring, and in the first he has in the ABA as well. Uh, he wins three, of course, in the late sixties with Philadelphia. Now he gets another one here. We'll talk about him in a bit because he also wins one as a coach. So Larry Cunningham, too, or Billy Cunningham, doing it uh, in all types of ways. And Coach Larry Brown, he gets his first title. He was like twenty-nine years old at this point, uh, and we are certain if they had won this, he would have won overalls to the parade as well. So uh, there's something to be said yeah. for uh, for the excitement there in Carolina. But uh, they get their ABA title and Larry Brown gets wears overalls at a parade so good stuff yeah well good for him yeah um 1974 uh we have the Milwaukee Bucks who uh, 59 wins uh, first in the league in SRS uh, they get two championships in a decade. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar smets himself as a legend uh, already with with uh, two titles in his uh, first uh, in his first four seasons. Or I, I actually think his first five seasons. But um, you know, and, and this kind of raises the question: d- Does this championship uh, and, and he and the Bucks in real life met the Celtics in the finals? Do, does it make any difference in the way that he would have? Um, you know, decision to leave Milwaukee. Now that came after a disappointing year the next year and uh, some some personal stuff. So maybe not, but it, it definitely you know you, you could see that. Uh, Oscar Robertson gets another championship as well. You know, um, I, I don't know if he's penalized exactly, but but the fact that he you know um, you know getting one versus getting two um, you know, that that makes some difference in people's levers. So that that's that's interesting I, idea as well. And yeah, the the fact is the Bucks as we talked about. You know they were so incredibly dominant in the regular season during this uh, time, and they just happened to like fall behind like a Lakers team that you know had a 33 game win streak and a, a Boston team that you know kind of almost randomly won 68 wins. But um, in any other era, they would have been you know probably multi time champions, and, and and you know would it would have been even greater than they are considered, which is yeah obviously pretty great. Right, and obviously it leads to uh, some contention in Kareem's end as well. So there's a possibility that like if they win those titles, Kareem just stays. You know he's okay with it. Like he's uh, yeah, it's it's just there's a lot of interesting moving parts that could sort of happen there, and that's why it's interesting uh, to look at this exercise and look at, at, at teams that you know may have been able to sort of change their histories a little bit had regular season you know been been. All all it was and all that really mattered or whatnot. But yeah, interesting to see Milwaukee uh, do it again here in 1974. Uh, in the ABA, the New York Nets are champions of 1974. Uh, same champion that it was in the real uh, life ABA as well. So not too exciting there. Uh, 55 and 29, they are first in SRS, so they are a well-deserving team. Uh, interestingly enough, only one ABA pennant for uh, Julius Irving. So we only does it once in the ABA, but we'll get to him uh, hopefully in a little bit here because I think uh, I think this is not the last we've heard from old Julius. 
Yeah, and, and that team, of course, you know, with, with Larry Keenan, uh, Billy Paltz, Brian Taylor, you know, Super John Williamson, you know, a, a very talented uh, uh, young team. Bill Melchioni kind of being the veteran there. Uh, he actually, actually uh, would have gotten a, probably a couple championships in Philly, so that's another one mm-hmm. in the uh, notch for old uh, Melchioni. So, um Going to 975 now, uh, the, uh, in the NBA, we have, uh, the Washington Bullets and the Boston Celtics, both 60 and 22. Uh, Washington gets the SRS tiebreaker, uh, deny the Celtics another championship, but also, uh, deny the, uh, Warriors a chance to have a, uh, their real life upset in the uh, 75 finals by sweeping the, uh, Bullets in a, in a big surprise. So, um, this means it's West Unsold's second title, both the uh, also second title for the franchise after their '69 uh, championship as well. Yeah, so, like I like uh, the idea they win in '69 because yeah. we don't see like you know you know I think it's kind of unique because like the team is largely kind of the same you know same kind of moving parts or whatever you know it's like many many years between them winning another title it's like '69 and then they run it back you know in 1975 with like the same kind of core which is kind of cool uh, to look at there but yeah Unsold's second title which I think is very important we'll get to him here in a little bit as well but we're kind of changing a big narrative around like a West Unsold and we're changing his trajectory as well. It's the second title now uh, in the last you know handful of years, and, and we'll see. It's not the last we heard from either Washington or Unseld, so definitely interesting stuff there. Uh, in the ABA, we have a new champion, the Denver Nuggets at 65-19, and 19, uh, 6.63 uh, SRS. Larry Brown gets himself another ring. He still wears overalls to the parade, so we were all good. Uh, the first title for Denver, but not the last, because we'll get to that here in a minute. So... Yes, and this would be the first franchise. This would be this first title for the Nuggets in their franchise history. Right, so correct, that's correct. Uh, another. Uh, yeah, uh, adds on to them. Uh, Nineteen seventy-six. Uh, even though they were denied in seventy-five, they're they're back in seventy-six. Rick Barry's Golden State Warriors, fifty-nine wins, first in the league in SRS. Um, and they, uh, you know, with uh, with Jamal Wilkes and uh, their their talented young core uh, team, they take home a. Uh, a pennant, uh, and then uh, and Boston is denied uh, another real life championship, which means they only had, as we talked about before, only had one for the decade instead of two. So we're we're making Dad, Dave Collins sad, which you know I guess because it's okay. Yeah, uh, I was I was trying to figure out who would be most affected by that. It's probably Dave Collins, right? Because Havelcheck gets enough of like the. Uh the late tier, you know, uh, ones like a Don Nelson. Well, he obviously piled up a few uh, as well. So I yeah. guess it'd be yeah, it would be Collins probably the most who would be uh, affected right by this idea of like you know the Celtics not winning uh, those few titles in the seventies, right? Well, actually, Havlicek only gets uh, only gets four okay, because he yeah. only wins he wins the three from sixty three to sixty five, and then he and then only gets four. So he had I think he had eight. So. Um, uh, you know, Nelson, I think also I would have had, you know, maybe just three or four. So, so I, I think that makes a difference for those guys. I mean, Cowens as, as well, you know, um, I mean, I don't think that seventies team is, I think they're just overshadowed by the eighties team and by the, um, sixties team. So I don't know if it vastly changes how they're remembered, but right, definitely, right, right. you know, uh, you know, um, I mean, you know, have a hall of famer either way, but, but definitely eight, eight rings and four rings is a pretty big difference for sure. Yeah. And then, uh, Jojo white's another guy as well. I think that gets completely gobbled up by this as well, but, uh, interesting though. Sure. So we kind of changed the decade here a little bit by doing the, uh, the regular season rings, uh, in the ABA Denver repeats as champion in our exercise, they go 60 and 24, uh, first in the league in SRS. Uh, it's a new champion as well. They, uh, added, uh, David Thompson and Dan Issel and get their second pennant, uh, Ralph Simpson, Bobby Jones, Byron Beck and Claude Taylor, uh, Terry, sorry, are the only holdovers from the 75 team. So they actually uh, change history a little bit and go back to back in the ABA, which I believe is the, in our size, the only back to back team in the ABA, if I remember correctly, right? Every other time it was moving on. To, oh, no, Indiana. Sorry, one in 70 and 71. So our second back to back in the ABA, uh, and Denver becomes the, uh, 
unfortunately the last champion in the ABA because by 77 there's no more ABA yes well another interesting thing that I just thought about we're we are following history in in a sense where we're spending the 70s with not having repeat champions in the uh in the NBA right oh yeah yeah that's interesting yeah it's like so it's not there's not even a dominant team like who's the dominant team of this decade uh in in our exercise I, I mean there's no, I mean, Milwaukee kind of, sort of, like, no, nobody, I mean, even the Knicks only pop up a few times, the Lakers pop up once, Boston pops up, you know, once or twice, so yeah, it's, uh, it is, it is our imitating life again, and it would see it way through the entire 70s as well, because we'll talk about them here in a little bit, where, yeah, so that's, uh, it's kind of cool that the 70s are just, what a wild decade, where, you know, the 60s are dominated by regular season teams, the the 50s are dominated by two big powers in Rochester and and, and Minneapolis, and 70s are, you know, there's like five or six teams that are good, so, definitely interesting. Yes, yes. So, uh, 1977, uh, probably a big surprise to all people here, the Los Angeles Lakers are your champions. 53 wins. Uh, they were now fifth in the league in SRS to uh, Portland, um, and, uh, and and they, in real life, of course, lost to Portland, were swept by them, by, by, by Will, Bill Walton's Blazers in the uh, playoffs. But uh, in the regular season, they were the best team in the league. Um, and, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's uh, third pennant of the 70s, uh, first winning the first with the Lakers, uh, the team's first championships only since 72 when Jerry West was a player. Well, now he's a coach. And uh, we're denied the breaks of the game as Portland, you know, despite having the league best seven SRS, only won 49 games that year. Yeah, so, so he throws it in the shredder yeah. and goes, ah, this isn't going to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ah, nuts. All right. And it just doesn't happen. Yes. So be, uh... Now, do you think you could, uh, do you think it, uh, just like, not to disparage these players, but uh, the, you know, the second best player on the Lakers was probably either Lucius Allen or Cassie Russell, who are, you know, okay yeah, players, yeah, but... Right. Uh, not usually best players in championship team type things. No, so, yeah. yeah, this is a very odd yeah. team. Like, why are they? No, this is just weird and icky. 77 belongs to the Blazers. No, you can't take it from them. So this exercise is stupid, Jason. I don't want to be a part of it anymore. So <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, Rich. I did not mean to hurt your feelings. <laughs> we don't get breaks in the game either. That's so terrible. So, or do we? Yeah. Never mind. 1978. Oh. Helmsham decides, ah, fuck it. I'll get back on and see what I can do. And it's a good thing you did in 1978 because Portland goes 58 and 24. And they win the championship with a 5.92 SRS. Uh, breaks of the game is delayed a year as Portland writes the ship from last season and wins the regular season title. Uh, they also avoid the painful Sonics upset. And Walton does get hurt playing in worthless playoff games because we just don't have the playoffs anymore. So Walton gets... Right. No, they, <laughs> so they Portland's great. Like so, Portland yeah. is, Walton stays there for 10 years. No foot injury, even though I think he broke his foot earlier in the year. So he probably would have still had foot injuries. But maybe he's not quite as upset. They win their title in 78. All is good in Portland. All is good with Bill Walton. Everything is right in the world, and uh, breaks of the game does get published, just kind of differently. So, sure, sure, it's the um, the glue of the game. <laughs> right, they change was... it slightly. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Because... Do you think he runs it back, or does he just go? Yeah. Ah, that's not going to work. It just moves on to something different, and we just never get it. So, maybe, 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 maybe he writes about the uh, maybe he writes about the, the Sonics since the Sonics don't win a championship and they they fail to win a championship. Maybe something crazy happens to Dennis Johnson or something. Right, like, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure Lenny Wilkins, Dennis Johnson yeah. had some crazy, crazy things going on. So I'm sure they could do that. Oh yeah, but, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, so we're yeah, delayed yeah. a year, but we get the real Portland thing. This is just icky though. 1977, the Portland, you know, doesn't win it. 1978, they do win it. So it's just kind of interesting and unique. But uh, there you go again. Like well, Walton, you know, he yeah. gets hurt. They get a huge upset against the Sonics. We we changed history a lot here by getting the, the Portland all the way there. And they've had two seasons in a row where they've had, you know, decent contenders to, to, to be champions. So it's uh, interesting. But again, the 70s curse kind of happens where there's still not a dominant. Lakers win one. They lose the next year. Portland wins one. And we're going to find out they lose the next year yet again. 
Yeah. And the team that you could sort of argue is the team of the 70s wins the 79 championship. The uh, Bullets, uh, 54 and uh, 28. They were second in the league in SRS to the Spurs of all the teams, Jordan Griffin Spurs. Uh, this would be the third pender for Unseld, the second for Hayes. And, yeah, I mean, you know, it, again, not quite dynasty because, it you know, it was 69, 75, and 79. But it's still, you know, uh, of... You know, they have a pretty strong case as the team of the 70s now with those three uh, championships. I, I know 69 isn't technically the 70s, but it's close enough. So I, I, I think that's, uh, that really, I, I think, makes them a more, um, a team that's going to be looked upon differently historically because of just happening, happening to have those three championships. I think that that adds a boost to, uh, you know, both Unseld and Hayes uh, to a degree and the other guys on that team. Yeah, it's just I, it has to change the narrative a little bit if if Washington wins. Yeah, I said dynasty is a little weird. They're kind of like that weird kind of Spurs dynasty thing where they take a few years off and then come back. They take a few years off and come back or whatever. But still, there's something to be said for Will, Wes Unseld himself being kind of the glue that kept everything together. There was plenty of other players as well that kind of came back for for all those teams as well. But uh, a guy like Wes Unseld though, he wins three titles in that decade or quote decade or whatever. Yeah, it totally changes the, the narrative around him. And I think he's a guy who's still very well respected and a guy who has you know not maybe the most popping numbers but man if he wins three different rings if he's kind of arguably the you know the leader of the the best team of the entire decade like you know there's something to be said for that as well uh also Hayes uh winning his second title as well I think is pretty important as well so just I think a lot of it changes uh with Washington because they become as we said kind of the de facto team of the decade in in a lot of ways and and I think that does change versus kind of having a fluky win uh in one season and of course running it back and losing in the finals the 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 following season like I think that would have been really interesting to see them just be this team that kind of popped up every few years and, and and won a title but uh alas that's not how things went in real life so yeah no but uh, but for us, it, it, it counts, you know. It's the bullets win the pennant. The bullets win the pennant. The, bullets, uh, <laughs> the famous call. <laughs> uh, yes, the famous call. Yes, it was very famous. It, it, it's is it better than the fat than the than the than the fat lady saying, or is it not as good as that? Um, probably not as good. As nah, that. probably not. But that's all right. It's close. Probably not. That's all right. All right. <laughs> fair enough. All right, Rich. Well, I think we are going to uh, to call this part one, and uh, and we will be back with uh, with part two in a little while. You can, of course, uh, find over and back on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find us at uh, the Step Back at uh, fansided.com slash NBA. Uh, where you can get a lot of uh, chock full of NBA goodness, a good writing, good podcasts, good uh, statistical analysis, and eye on calculus, all that good stuff. And uh, also, you, you follow us on your favorite social media channels. We are on Facebook and Twitter at Over and Back NBA. So, uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll be back again soon. <laughs>